Sundance and the Art of Democracy. I'm Amy Goodman, host of Democracy Now! with my weekly Breaking the Sound Barrier podcast. We're on the road in Park City, Utah. This small alpine mountain town is transformed every winter during the Sundance Film Festival into a buzzing hive of the movie industry. While much of the attention is focused on the celebrities, Sundance has actually become a key intersection of art, film, politics, and dissent. It's where many of the most powerful documentaries premiere, films about genuine grassroots struggles covering the sweep of social justice history and the burning issues of today. They educate and inspire a growing audience about the true nature and cost of democracy. The Last Mountain is a documentary about the threat to Coal River Mountain in West Virginia, which is slated for destruction by mountaintop removal coal mining, one of the most environmentally devastating forms of mining being practiced today. The worst offender is the coal giant Massey Energy and its former CEO, Don Blankenship. A broad coalition of people from around the world has been active in trying to stop Massey, led by regular working-class folks from the surrounding towns and hamlets of Appalachia. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., a longtime environmentalist and lawyer, joined them in the fight. He's featured in the film. I recently flew over the coal fields in the Appalachians, and I saw something that if the American people could see it, there'd be a revolution in this country. We are cutting down the Appalachian Mountains, literally. The whole line goes all the way back 10 or 12 miles. Absolutely gigantic. They're blowing the tops off the mountains to get at the coal seams beneath. They detonate 2,500 tons of explosives every day an explosive power the size of a Hiroshima bomb once a week. Here in Park City, I asked Bobby Kennedy about the struggle. This film is about the subversion of American democracy. And as you know, last year the Supreme Court passed this Citizens United ruled, uh, overruled uh, 100 years of ironclad American precedent with the Citizens United case and got rid of a law that was passed by Teddy Roosevelt in 1907 that saved democracy from the huge concentrations of wealth that had created essentially a corporate kleptocracy during the Gilded Age, and Americans had forfeited their democracy during that time. Um, It was said of the Pennsylvania legislature that every single member of it was owned by John D. Rockefeller that he'd done everything to the Pennsylvania legislature but refine it. And this was true of legislatures all over our country, that we had the very, the the kind of feudalism that people had come to this country to escape in Europe was being created by this new corporate aristocracy. For the first time since the Gilded Age, we're seeing that kind of, those kind of economic concentrations return to our country. Bobby Kennedy describes the subversion by corporate power of the press, the courts, and Congress and state legislatures. The erosion of all these institutions, I think, of of American democracy has forced people who care about our country and who care about uh, civic health into this box of civil disobedience and local activism. This is an historic month for Robert Kennedy Jr. It's the 50th anniversary of his uncle John Kennedy's inauguration as president and also of his father Robert Kennedy's inauguration as U.S. Attorney General. I asked Bobby Kennedy about both of them, felled by assassins' bullets. To me, the most important thing that John Kennedy did and that my father was trying to do 
was to stand up to the military industrial complex, which Eisenhower, President Eisenhower, in his final speech just before my uncle took the reins of power, said, this is the greatest threat to American democracy in the history of our republic ever. The growth of a uh, uncontrolled military industrial complex in combination with large corporations and with uh, influential, influential members of Congress who would slowly but uh, systematically deprive Americans of the civil rights and the constitutional rights that made this country an exemplary nation. In a moving moment here at Sundance, Bobby Kennedy, who had just flown in from the funeral of his uncle, Sergeant Shriver, founder of the Peace Corps, came out after a screening of The Last Mountain and was embraced by Harry Belafonte, himself the subject of the film that opened this year's festival, the breathtaking biopic of the singer and activist called Sing Your Song, which is really a chronicle of the movements for racial and economic justice of the 20th century. Belafonte was one of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s closest confidants. I spoke with Harry Belafonte about his lifetime of activism and about his feelings about President Obama. He once said something to me during his uh, campaign for the presidency, and he says, uh, you know, I said, I've heard you. He was talking before businessmen on Wall Street here in, here in, uh, uh, there in New York. And, uh, he said to me, uh, I said, uh, I, well, you know, I, I hope you bring the challenge more forcefully to the table. And he said, well, when are you and Cornell West going to cut, cut me some slack? I got caught with that remark. And I said to him in rebuttal, I said, what makes you think we haven't? Asked what he thinks should happen next, Harry Belafonte recalled a story told to him by his friend, Eleanor Roosevelt. We reveled in her stories, and she told, me, told us the story of her husband and his first meeting with a great, powerful labor leader named A. Philip Randolph, who was the head of the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters, uh, a job that was quite menial, but very critical to the American railway system. And she loved A. Philip Randolph and his intellect and his evaluations as a union organizer. And bringing him to the White House for dinner, invited A. Philip Randolph to tell the president his view of the state of the union from the Negro perspective and from the perspective of the black workers. And uh, as a great mind and thinker, and very much engaged, uh, A. Philip Randolph held forth. And Roosevelt listened very carefully and was very stimulated by what Philip Randolph had to say. At the end of that moment, uh, A. Philip Randolph was waiting for a response. And Roosevelt, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, said to him, of course, paraphrasing, Mr. Randolph, I've heard everything you have to say, the way in which you've criticized the fact that I have not used the, the power of my platform sufficiently in the service of the workers of this nation, and in particularly the Negro people, that I didn't use my bully pulpit more vigorously. And I cannot deny that that may be the case. As a matter of fact, I believe that is the case. And in that context, I'd like to ask you to do me a favor. And that is, if that is so, I'd like to ask you to go out and make me do what you think it is I should do. 
Go out and make me do it. I'm Amy Goodman with Dennis Moynihan in Park City, Utah.